Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. As you're turning, I read this morning that in the mid-1950s, a British minister by the name of W.E. Sangster found notice that he had an uneasiness in his voice and one of his legs began to lag a little bit. When he went to the doctor, he found out that he had an incurable disease that would cause progressive muscular atrophy. He would have a muscular problem the rest of his life and eventually would incapacitate him. He then threw himself into the work of the ministry in home missions, figuring he could do whatever he could. He could write, he could pray, he'd do whatever he could for the Lord Jesus. His prayer was, Lord, let me stay in the struggle. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general. Just give me uh, just a regiment to lead. He wrote articles and books and helped to organize prayer cells all throughout England. But gradually, Sangster's uh, condition became to be worse and worse. He lost all of his legs' condition. He could no longer walk. He could no longer speak anymore. The only thing they could do was barely hold a shaking pen. On Easter morning, just a few weeks before he died, he penned a letter to his daughter that said this, It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice to shout, He is risen. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. I want to thank God that I want to shout and have voice to do so. As long as I have pulse in this body, I will shout, He is alive and alive forevermore. If you have your Bibles again, Matthew 27 and verse 28, excuse me, verse, Matthew 28 verse number 1. And I want us to read the first ten verses. If you would please stand of honor and reverence to God's word. Matthew chapter number 28 and look at verse number 1. And in, at the, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and with great joy. And did run and bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet, and worshipped him. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. You can be seated. There we have the account, Matthew's account anyway, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now for this morning, we've been, like I said earlier, we've been going through a series of messages that has brought us to this point. We've been looking at what is called the Passion Week of the Lord Jesus, the days of His Passion. 
And we've been following to this Easter Sunday morning. This morning we have much to shout about in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The testimony of this event has been plowed through the furrows of history. The stone has been removed from the garden tomb. The remnants of His grave clothes left behind. The failure of the Roman guards in the tomb. The willingness of the eyewitnesses to die for what they have seen and heard the appearances both to friend and foe alike and the conversion of ardent unbelieving all testify to the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ all of these combined do our apologetic this morning what I'll preach this morning is not necessarily apologetic the story of the resurrection speaks for itself it speaks volumes of the truth the, the veracity, the historical truth of Jesus Christ's resurrection. And so I'll not deal in apologetics this morning. Like I said, we've been going through a, a series of, of, of different events uh, of Jesus' life. And the, the resurrection morning, on this morning, Jesus separated Himself from every uh, teacher Every other leader, every other healer, every other philosopher, every other theologian, and every other revolutionary. Jesus rose from the dead. And He is alive this day. Now as I said, we've been going through this series where we've been following Jesus through this final week of His life before the resurrection and before the crucifixion. And we found how that He entered Jerusalem and, and how that he, they hailed Him as King on the first day. Then the, the next day, they, uh, they, Jesus looked in and he, he flipped over the tables of the money changers and charged them with making the house of prayer into a den of thieves. We looked at a busy day on the third day in which he confronted the, 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 the religious rulers of the day with their hypocrisy and with their willingness and their murderous plot to kill the Son of God. We spent the day with Jesus on that uh, fourth day in the upper room. And how that he spent it with his disciples in anticipation of the cruelty of the crucifixion. How he was in the garden praying, not my will, but thy will be done. As his sweat became as great drops of blood. We followed him there to the trial of that, uh, of that uh, uh, most heinous act of injustice. Where Jesus was wrongfully accused uh, for a crime he did not commit. He was unjustly sentenced to death on the cross. We followed him to Calvary as his body shed red, ruby red drops of blood in agony and pain. He suffered and breathed his last on the cross. On Wednesday, we looked, this past Wednesday, we looked into that empty tomb where Jesus lay cold and motionless for three days and three nights. And yet so much happened in those three days and three nights. Today, we find ourselves in the final act of His passion. Jesus turns suffering into celebration with His resurrection from the dead. And this day is truly a day of revelation. Jesus in this day begins to reveal Himself to His disciples. You see, it wasn't enough just to vacate the tomb. 
It wasn't enough just to leave grave clothes behind and have his disciples wondering what took place. There was a bodily, physical revelation of himself. He presented himself to his disciples. This day marks a day of revelation. And I want us to see that this morning. A day of revelation. But the reality is is that Jesus has not stopped revealing Himself. His revelation is not confined to the, uh, to the onion skin pages of the, of the resurrection testimony we find in the Bible. No, I've never met the physical body of Jesus. I've never had Him come into my bedroom and speak to me. I've never walked with Him down the street physically, side by side. But the same holds true that Jesus does reveal Himself in this world today. And His revelation is no less miraculous, no less unexpected, no less astounding and life-changing as it was for these disciples. Now what I want to do this morning is I want you to see with new clarity that Jesus still reveals Himself to those whose hearts and lives of people just like you and me. If you're here today and you have a pulse, then you are a candidate for a revelation of Jesus Christ. This resurrection account I spent this morning pouring over every one of the resurrection accounts. And in each case we find Jesus revealing Himself to a certain type of person. A certain type of situation. Although we could broaden this to many of the varied characters that Jesus revealed Himself to. I want us to focus in on just a handful. Here's here's my proposition. Each and every one of us can experience a revelation of Jesus Christ by looking closely at four different appearances of Jesus after His resurrection from the garden tomb. Of all the appearances, and there were many, Jesus was seen of Thomas. Jesus was seen of the eleven. Jesus was seen of many of the, of the other women at the tomb. Jesus was seen of as many as 500 at one time. Jesus revealed Himself to His own brother James in this. But we're going to leave all those aside and I'm going to look at four different Revelations, And I promise we won't be here all that long. Everybody say amen. Four, four of these revelations then will be done. The first revelation I want you to see is that Jesus revealed Himself to the hurting. Jesus revealed Himself to the hurting. In John chapter number 20, we have this moving scene with a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene as she comes to discover the, 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 the empty grave and the missing body of Jesus. In John chapter 20, verse number 1, it says, In the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth uh, and come and And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid Him. 
So here is Mary, this devoted follower of the Lord Jesus, come to anoint the body and do more preparation. He was quickly, hastily put into the tomb on that day of His crucifixion. And now she comes uh, to tend to the body or at least mourn the body uh, of Jesus there at the grave. She finds it empty. She finds the stone uh, rolled away. She automatically thinks the worst. Something has happened. Somebody has robbed the grave. Somebody has taken the body and they've thrown it into the, uh, maybe into the landfill of of. They've done something awful to the body. So she comes and tells Peter and John. They make their way to the tomb. And as we do so, we find them rush to the tomb and they, they find the tomb empty. Returning to their own homes, Peter and John had conflicting views. John believed, but Peter wasn't all that sure. Uh, and then they leave Mary there at the garden tomb. Look at verse number 11. In chapter number John chapter 20, verse 11, And Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stood, uh, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting and one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said, Then because they have taken my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou whom thou seekest? And she supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him thence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Here is a woman that is broken. Here is a woman that is hurting. And she, uh, he has the, he has the one that had, ca- she was the one that Jesus had cast out of her seven demonic forces uh, that had ruled her life. She was a woman which her encounter with Jesus radically changed her life forever. Before his encounter, she had lived in shame and in sorrow and in sin. And from that moment on, she had followed him. She had sat at His feet and listened to His teaching. She had followed Him every step of the way, including to His crucifixion. His, uh, he and His disciples had all uh, been uh, that was needed. Uh, she was one that made sure, and the others passed the Scripture tell us, that she was one that funded the ministry of the Lord Jesus, that gave so that He would have everything that He needed food and raiment and everything that was required of Him. She would help minister unto those needs. Hollywood has done its best to try to taint the relationship between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And tried to change it from that of of master to student to minister and mistress. The, the, the field with lust, they have done their best to insinuate that the repu- re- relationship was something other than what it was seen to be in Scripture. There is no hint. I say boldly, there is no hint of such relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I don't care what Leonardo da Vinci painted on a painting no, uh, years ago. Here we find that she was one who loved the Lord Jesus as I do, as all followers of Jesus. Her heart pines for the Savior, the Lamb of God, who changed her life forever. And here she is broken. Here she is weeping. Her heart is shattered into a million pieces. Here is a woman that is hurting. She's been broken by the unexpected turns and twists of life. And 
And the truth of the matter is, she was missing that Lord Jesus. She had gone to seek and had some, uh, some sort of closure to the whole scene. And now he was missing. She was looking for Jesus and she was hurting in the garden. But then, the resurrected Christ comes to her. Look at verse number 16. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and, say, and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is saying, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Jesus revealed Himself to her. Now see this. She is in probably the lowest moment of her life. Her heart has been broken by the events of life. She's been shattered by what has taken place in her life. And now Jesus reveals Himself to her. And all her heart cannot contain the joy that is found in that encounter. All the healing, all the rejoicing, all the emotion that is in that moment. Her Christ liveth. Her Christ is alive. What about you today? I know there's all kinds that have come in here this morning. We've, we've invited family members and friends. We've invited the community. And we've all gathered together this morning. There's a whole mix of tales and a whole mix of, of life experience in this room. But I wonder, has, has life left you hurting? Hurting over the broken hearts of life. Hurting over the, uh, the, the twists and turns. The unexpected roads that life takes us down. What you need is a revelation of Jesus. What you need is the living Christ to come into your life. Into your view today. Into your vantage point. I tell you this morning, there is a living Savior. He is in the world today. He knows your weary heart. He knows the sorrow. And here this morning, He calls out your name. He calls out to soothe your hurting. To bring comfort to your life. Jesus has said, I have come to mend the brokenhearted." Is that where you are today? Does Jesus need to come into your life, into your situation, into your heartbreak? That's what He did for Mary. And I say He does no less in this day and time. Jesus cares for you. Cast your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Jesus not only revealed Himself to the hurting, Jesus revealed Himself to the hopeless. Another revelation of Jesus Christ finds us in Luke chapter number 24. In this account, after the resurrection, there was two on the Emmaus road on their way home. These two disciples, I believe, were a husband and wife. They had lived together. They had a single dorm, uh, uh, domicile, a place where they lived together. At the end of the count, you read how they went to their home and invited this stranger, this person to come eat with them in their home. I believe it to be a husband and wife. But these two disciples were making the sad trip from Jerusalem out to their home in Emmaus because of the events of the days leading up to Jesus' uh, uh, cross. You see, they had followed Jesus. And though they might not have been the twelve or the eleven, they might not have been in the intimate circle, but there was a lot more disciples of Jesus than just uh, Nathaniel and Thomas and Bartholomew and Simon the Less and John the Less and John, uh, Peter, James and John. And all the, there were more disciples than these. 
These had been following Jesus. And as they, as they went all the way to the tomb, no, no doubt their hearts swelled as Jesus was hailed as a king on that first day into Jerusalem. But how their hearts must have sunk as they found Jesus arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and taken to trial before the Jews, before the Romans, before the crowd, and ended up on a Roman cross and dying in that state, in that place. No doubt they had waited in Jerusalem. Why, how come they didn't leave right after it was over? Well, it was time for the Sabbath. They rested there on the days of the Sabbath there in Jerusalem. Now that the Sabbath's being over, they begin to make their way back unto their home in, in Emmaus. And they're discussing all of the events of the day. They were puzzled by what had taken place. And they, they discussed, one that, well, as they were discussing, another traveler come alongside of them and begin to enter into the conversation. They discuss the, them with the traveler, unknown as they walk with them. Evidently, he, the traveler was unaware of what had taken place, and they begin to recount the events taking place. Look with me in Luke 24 and verse 19, or I can read it for you. Uh, verse 19 in chapter 24. This is Jesus who is unbeknownst to them, he's unrevealed to them. He says unto them, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which is called, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have him crucified. But we trusted that he had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since all these things were done. And yea, the, the, the certain, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And they found not his body. They came saying that, that they had seen an, a vision of angels and said that he was alive. Alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it empty. So as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Here are these two disciples. They go over the events of the day. And in verse number 21, it says, but we had trusted him. I had, we had trusted that he was the Messiah. That he was the one to redeem Israel. We trusted him. These two who I believe to be husband and wife, had somewhere along the past lost their faith. They had lost their trust. They had said, we trusted that He was this thing, but we've been disappointed to find something different. They had at one point in their life seen Jesus to be the one who could satisfy their every name, to claim their every, calm their every doubt, resolve their every issue in life, like is Mary Magdalene, the twists and the turns of life, the disappointments of preceding days had shaken their faith. We though, we thought, we thought He was the one. We thought He was the one who supposed to, uh, to be sent from God, but we looked at what we see now and we're just not sure. That's when Jesus arrives on the scene. Look in verse number 25. He said to them, O fools, slow of heart, and believe uh, to believe all that the prophets have said. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, he and all he uh, and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. 
Itself. And, and they drew nigh into the village whither they went. And they, he made as though he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tear with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, in the same hour they went to Jerusalem and reported what they had seen. But here are two people who've been heartbroken. They were hopeless. They put all their eggs in the basket of Jesus. And it seemed as though Jesus had let them down. It seemed as though Jesus had given them no reason to hope anymore. You see, He reveals Himself to them. What about you? Is that you today? Somewhere along the way of life. Somewhere along the path of life. Oh, there was a day and time when you you were all in. You know, as they used to say. You were... You were all in with Jesus. You, you followed Him. You had, a, you had a reason to believe in Him. You, you boasted in Him. But the twists of turns in life have been too difficult for you to maintain that belief. Your, your hope has been shaken by the strange turn of events. You were so sure. But you know your problems now are so big. You were so sure about Jesus. You were so sure about who He was and what He has done. You were so sure that He had the ability to do anything. And then one event in life, you name it. You name it. Losing everything in an economic downturn. Losing a marriage or a home. Losing your children. Death of a loved one. You name it. And all of a sudden, there is a sense in which you cannot have hope in you. You cannot trust Him. Your heart is too cold for anything like that to make a difference in you anymore. Your life is beyond hope this morning. You've gone too far. Your habit is too entrenched. You're too deep in your sin to ever come to that realization of Jesus. What you need is Jesus to reveal Himself to you this morning. Oh, I pray through this message He is coming to you alongside of you like those disciples on the road to Emmaus and whispering news to your heart that you can have hope in Him. I pray this morning that your heart once again would burn with a love for Him. That His words would speak volumes to you and you would hope In Jesus again. If there's anything that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives any person, it is hope beyond the grave. Hope beyond this life. Hope for my life. Hope for your life. Jesus revealed Himself to the hopeless. Jesus revealed Himself to the hurting. Jesus revealed Himself to the humbled. In Mark's account, Mark's gospel account, I'm going to turn to Mark chapter number uh, 16. Mark chapter number 16. When Mary, Mary Magdalene and the, and the other Marys and the other ladies came to the tomb, they were met by the angel. Mark gives us the same recording of account. But the angel says something a little bit different in this testimony. Left out of the other ones. Mark chapter number 16 and verse number, number 6. And he said to them, Be not affrighted. 
You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid Him. But go your way. Tell His disciples. Notice these two words. And Peter. That He goeth before you unto Galilee. Notice that. Jesus particularly singles out Peter. You see, if you'll recall the account of Peter's days during Jesus' arrest, how that Jesus, he assured Jesus in the upper room. You know, Jesus going around with a, with a, a bowl and a towel, and he's going around washing people's feet. And he gets to Peter and says, No, Lord, you're not going to humble yourself like a servant and wash my feet. I'll wash your feet. And Jesus says to him, Well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you've got no part with me. Well, Jesus, if that's the case, you wash me from head to toe because, man, I am all in, Jesus. I'm with you. I'm with you, Jesus. He goes on throughout the evening saying, Jesus, I'll not deny you before men. I'll not deny you. I'll not, I'll not deny you. Although others leave you, I'll not deny you. When it came to the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, a little bit of boldness welled up in Peter's heart. He reached for a sword intending to take off the head of, of, uh, the head of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. He missed. That's why you don't send fishermen into battles. <laughs> he missed and cut a man's ear off. Jesus takes the ear, places it back onto that servant's head and sternly rebukes Peter in his moment of zealousness. In this moment of boldness, Peter, Jesus rebukes Peter. Jesus, or, uh, Peter then drops his sword and runs into, the, runs into that garden and flees just like all the rest of the disciples. As the, as the Scripture said, smite the shepherd of the sheep shall flee. All of the disciples ran for cover. After Jesus was arrested and began to make his way into that trial, Peter began to follow, the Scriptures tell us, follow afar off. He began to follow at a distance. As Jesus was brought to Caiaphas' house to stand trial for, uh, for whatever charge they could cook up, Peter was outside warming his hands with the servants. It was there that Peter was identified. Do you remember the scene? You know what I'm talking about. Peter was identified as a follower of Jesus. Peter said, no, 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 I, I'm not a follower of Jesus. He goes to another fire. No, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Finally, when he was cornered the last time, he said, I do not know this man and began to curse. It was so, he was so adamant about his rejection of Jesus. It says, the Scripture tells us then, that Peter ran off into the night. He ran off weeping into the night. You see, instead of declaring Jesus... He was denying Jesus, and Jesus told him it happened. He said at that dinner, even as bold as you are, Peter, before the cock crows or before this night's over, you will deny me three times. Luke's account says that when he denied him three times, that the eyes of Jesus and Peter met as the cock crew. What a humiliating moment. He had done what he said he would never do just hours before. Peter was a broken man. He runs off into the night wailing and crying under his breath. You see, is that what you are this morning? Is this you? You were once sold out for Jesus. You once stood before many and may well 
preached or pledged your allegiance to Jesus, you may well have drawn other people to look upon the Messiah, to look and believe on the Lord Jesus. And yet today you are warming your hands by a devil's fire, denying that you ever even knew the man. You are a backslider. You are one that at one point was close to Jesus. You followed Jesus, but now you are a denier. You've turned your back on Him. You could, not readily, you could not be readily identified as a believer and a follower of Jesus this very hour. Your friends and family would say, What? A believer on Jesus? You've got to be kidding me. But yet at one time, that's where you were. At one time, you were one that pledged your love for Jesus. You're one that said, I will not deny your name. And now, where are you? Where are you? Walking at a distance, far from Jesus. Well, I want you to know that the resurrected Christ calls for you today. He calls for you today. You may be far from Him. You may be in a far country. But there is a Savior. There is a Christ that calls for you this day. The angels say, hey, go tell the disciples and Peter, I'm alive. Tell Peter. Make sure you tell Peter. We've seen in other passages of Scripture, like, for example, 1 Corinthians 15.5, Paul says that he, Jesus, was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, and then of the twelve. Now, although we are not given this recorded event, only time we see Peter meeting Jesus is whether he is with the disciples, there's never a singular moment where he and Jesus are face to face until John chapter number 21. We may not know the first event, but the Scripture does give us an instance in which Peter is met with the Lord Jesus. You see, in John chapter 21, Peter had gone to his old vocation of fishing. He's followed by a number of the disciples. They're out, disciples, they're out on, the, on the sea, are casting their nets in, trying to fish. Some mysterious person calls from the shore, hey, take your nets and throw them on the other side. Guess what happens? Just like happened, what happened during the ministry of the Lord Jesus, they got a whole draw of fish they brought in. John is on that boat and says, Peter, look, that's Jesus. Peter dives into the waters to swim to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he arrives on the beach. And there is Jesus with some fish in the, uh, on the coals. And they sit down to a very quiet dinner. Because Peter is beginning to realize that it, about his sin, about how he had betrayed the Lord Jesus in his denial of Him. As they sat at meat, Jesus began to confront Peter with a series of questions. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? And all of a sudden, he realizes it is a question for every denial that he had ever performed. Every time that he had denied the Lord Jesus, Jesus asks him a question, do you love me? He breaks down at that point. He is confronted with his own sin, his own uh, betrayal of the Lord Jesus, pleading, Jesus, you know that I love you. And what are Jesus' words? Follow me. John chapter number 21. John chapter 21. 
This he spake, or Jesus says to him in verse number 18, Verily, verily, I say unto you, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest where thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt uh, stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee where thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Those are the same words he said to Peter at the very beginning. <laughs> At the very beginning, when he went looking for disciples, this is a, follow me. What I'm trying to say is this morning, if you are the one that is a denier, you were all in with Jesus. You had pledged yourself to Him at one point in your life. But now, now you, you couldn't even be recognized as a follower of Jesus. You're so far from God, no one even knows that at one point, you had walked close with Him. I want you to know that through a revelation of Jesus, through Him revealing Himself to you, through Him confronting you with your rebellion against Him, Jesus is saying, come follow me again. Come follow me again. You can pick up right where you left off. Come to Jesus again. Come follow Him again as a disciple. Let Him, let the living Christ reveal Himself to you today. Let His presence humble you before Him and allow Christ to restore you to fellowship and to service once again. Finally, Jesus revealed Himself to the hurting. If you're hurting today, Jesus can reveal Himself to you. He revealed Himself to the hopeless today. If you've lost hope in Jesus, Things didn't work out the way you thought they should. I want you to know. He's going to, he will reveal Himself to you. If you're here today and you've been humbled this morning. You realize how far you've gotten from God. You realize that you are a denier of Him. And you need to make things right. I tell you the truth. Be humbled before the Lord Jesus today. He's revealing Himself to you. Finally, I want to beg your forgiveness in the last one. For Jesus reveals Himself to the hardened. The hardened. I want to ask you if you'll permit me to remove ourselves from Easter Sunday morning and go down uh, the annals of time just a little bit farther. Just a few years, the fledgling followers of Jesus began to grow from a few in an upper room of 120 to they begin to grow into the thousands, even the tens of thousands of followers. Great tensions were in Jerusalem over these new believers in the Messiah, in the resurrected Christ. And, and they begin to voice themselves and declare Jesus alive. The, the, the religious rulers of the day couldn't stamp it out. It just kept spreading and spreading. Things had tipped to a boy. And the, when the, the uh, preaching deacon by the name of Stephen was stoned for his testimony in Jesus Christ, persecution broke out all over the city. It was open season on Christians. They began to flee from their homes and flee to other lands, as the Scriptures say, preaching the Gospel as they went. But there was one among them who at the stoning of Stephen, it said that they laid their coats before a man named Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a zealous upstart 
in the, in the religious rulers of the day. In Acts chapter number 8, we find Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, invading homes and, and beginning to haul men and women into prison. Even by his own testimony, Paul proclaims that he was a murderer, that he had murdered Christians. That he murders those, those followers of the way. He was hauling men and women into prisons, leaving children as orphans on the street. Paul was an angry man who stood against everything that Jesus stood for. In Acts chapter number 9, we're told that Saul of Tarsus had gotten papers. The, the, the Christians had begun to flee from Jerusalem, making their way to Damascus. He had gotten papers from the Sanhedrin to go up there and take those Christians in Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem and have them stand trial. His heart was hardened. No one can tell him different. This was, uh, all this Messiah stuff was, was radical foolishness. Jesus is not the Messiah that he claimed to be. The testimony of his resurrection is a fairy tale believed by the duped in society. He is that you today. You've made up your mind. Before you ever walked in these doors, you will tip the hat custom, if the truth be known, all this Jesus stuff and all this resurrection story has nothing to do with you. No impact on your life. No impact on what you believe. But as far as believing, as far as repenting of sin and trusting Christ, as far as being a disciple and telling others about you, well preacher, you can forget it this morning. I'm just here because of blank. My husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, my family member. Whatever the case may be. You've made up your mind that all this Jesus stuff is just a load of emptiness. A load of foolishness. Paul thought the same thing. Or Saul did. Saul thought the same thing as he traveled down the road of Damascus. That hardened heart on that road that day was crushed. In Acts chapter number 9 and look verse number 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and, and, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the, and the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Here, Jesus reveals himself to the hardened. That hardened heart of stone was crushed on that Damascus road that day when the brightness of Jesus' countenance appeared to Saul of Tarsus in the noonday sun. His sin uh, uh, shone over, uh, his shadow, his lightness shone over Saul of Tarsus, caused him to fall to the ground, to cry out to him as Lord, to say, what would you have me do? You see, that may be you this morning. It may be you that have come in here with your mind made up and you had no idea that you would meet the living Christ this morning. 
That you would meet the Christ that is able to save the all-powerful Christ who died on the cross as they sung earlier. Died on the cross and buried in the tomb and rose again, dying, burying, and being rose for your sin. To pay your sin debt. Jesus was on the cross. Don't make no mistake about it. He died on that cross because He was guilty. Not of sin of His own, but of your sin and my sin. Maybe you've come in this morning and you've made up your mind. Could it be that Jesus would reveal Himself to you and show you this morning that He is Messiah? That He is one sent to die for your sins, to be buried and raised again. That He would meet you on your Damascus road and change your heart and life forever. After some time, we find Him no longer destroying Christian Saul of Tarsus, but preaching Christ. Verse number 20 and chapter number 9, and straightway, He, Paul, Saul, preached Christ in the synagogues that He was the Son of God. That could well be you. If we were to wind back time, I'm closing, I'm done. If we were to wind back time 21 years ago, 22 years ago, you would have caught me on Easter Sunday morning. You'd probably found me in church. Just to please my mama, keep my mama off my back. I'd come home for spring break and I'd go to church on Easter. But you'd have looked at me and said, you're about one year from now to have an encounter with Jesus Christ that will change your life forever. I would have laughed you into oblivion. I was more educated than that. I'd been to college. They They had taught Jesus out of me. I'd, I'd come to resolve it that it's an old people's religion. They try to impress each other down at that church house. That it's all a farce. It's all a story. I'll do what I please. I'll never be duped by that. March the 20th, 1994. Driving down I-75, 65 miles an hour outside of Barrett Parkway. He revealed Himself to me. He didn't sit in a car with me. I never saw one vision or one sight but my eyes were opened in that moment. And he that was a blasphemer, he that denied God, now stands before you today and says that one revelation of Jesus can change it all. If you come today heartbroken and hurting, one encounter with Jesus can change it all. If you come here today humbled by how you've rejected Him and how you've said no to Him and how years ago you'd walked away from Him, one encounter, one encounter can you're here today hardened by life, hardened by false teaching, hardened by the ethic of this world which says do what you please, live and do what you want. I'm telling you, there's a Christ that can meet you and reveal Himself to you. Just as He did me, just as He did others that are sitting in this room, just as He did to the two on the Emmaus Road, to Mary Magdalene, to Peter and Saul of Tarsus. He'll reveal Himself to you. If you turn to Him. Turn believing on Jesus. Let's stand to our feet as we come to a song of invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You've been so gracious and kind to listen as I've spoken this morning. No one looking in this room. I want to thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your concentration. Listen to me very closely. We're almost done. How does Jesus encounter you this morning? I've done my best as the, I've been charged to do to reveal Christ to people through the written Word of God. 
through the unction that comes of the Spirit of God, through the broken tool of a preacher. I've tried to reveal Him to you. Jesus is here today, no doubt about that. How does He find you? Does He find you hurting? Hurting over disappointments, hurting over emotional pain. Does He find you hopeless? You've given up on this old Jesus thing a long time ago. Does He find you humbled, broken by how you've left Him behind? Does He find you hardened? Come today. Come, come. Let Him reveal Himself to you. Come to Jesus. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Ronnie, I just don't know. Would you pray for me? I don't do, I don't deal in singling people out. You raising your hand ain't going to save you, I'm telling you. But I would like to pray for you. I won't come to you, interrupt your dinner or anything like that. But my heart is burdened like never before for this group that's assembled this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've never believed upon Him, you've never had the life-changing spirits of conversion, would you quietly lift your hands and say, Brother Ronnie, pray for me quickly. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Brother Ronnie, I, I just don't know. Let's just put it this way. I don't know, preacher. Pray for me. Anyone this morning? Thank you for your honesty. There are people here without Jesus. They need Him so desperately. I pray you come. Trust Him today. Don't care about what this crowd sees. Don't care about what these people on looking sees. Come to Jesus. Come to Him now. Trust Him as Savior. Trust Him as Lord. Maybe you're hurting, heartbroken this morning. Maybe you're humbled by the chastening hand of God. Come down this altar. Make things right with Jesus this hour. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I entrust the remainder of this invitation to Your hands. Speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brother Kevin? Page 3.30, only trust Him. 3.30, only trust Him. Would you not come? I'll meet you with the Bible. I'll show you how you can know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'll pray with you about any matter. You come as we begin to sing.